0: I want a
1: lot for Christmas In your home, in your city, across the province of a With I guest need. host Rob Breaking Watching me street That song. Uh, Part of what makes it so powerful, look, you all know what that song is. You don't need me to tell you about Mariah Carey and her stranglehold on Christmas. But let me throw something else out there. And it's a weird anniversary because it coincides with something else. But uh, November 22nd marked the 60th anniversary. Of yes, a pretty awful and catastrophic event, but it marked the release of a very influential Christmas album, a Christmas gift for you from Phil Spector, which included among other songs that maybe the best Christmas song ever, "Christmas Baby Please Come Home" by Darlene Love, but other songs from Darlene Love, the Ronettes, the Crystals, like I say, very influential, and I think influential even in uh, the sense of Mariah Carey which she uh, created about three decades ago. All I want for Christmas is you is become a monster. Uh, It it earns Mariah Carey, by the way, somewhere between two and three million dollars every year. And it's now become an annual tradition that it goes to number one on the uh, Billboard Hot 100 pop charts. It's a number one song in 2023, or it was earlier this month. I think it got uh, ousted from the top spot last week. But it came out in 1994. And when you think about it, uh, you know, the, the Christmas songs we're familiar with, the ones we hear over and over again. I don't know that there's been one since 1994 that's anywhere near that. So she created a Christmas classic. Not everybody's a fan of it, mind you, uh, but it is ubiquitous every single year, and that's not likely to change anytime soon. So, why is that? What was the the secret sauce with this song, and why did it become uh, such a mammoth hit? Well, turning us off for some further thoughts on all of that. Very pleased to welcome to the program uh, here this morning, Joe Bennett, musicologist uh, and professor at Berkeley College of Music. Uh, professor Bennett, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program.
0: Thank you very much. It's good to be here.
1: Uh, first of all, let's just establish. I mean, are you a fan of the song? Do you like the song?
0: Well, as a musicologist, I study everything. You yes. know, what, what, <laughs> So what interests me about the song is its very success, its ubiquity, is itself interesting and worthy of study. You know, whether I personally like it, I, I kind of like all Christmas music, but on the other hand, I've been doing research studies into Christmas music since 2016, so... I've probably got a bit of Stockholm Syndrome going on there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I so, suppose so. What is it about any Christmas song, not just this one, but any Christmas song, the way it it connects with us or connects us to the holiday or has some kind of appeal, because not all Christmas songs are, are as equally beloved, not all are created equal.
0: Yeah, so what is it about Christmas music? Well, well Christmas music, it, it is a form of pop music, but it's a strange sort of subset yeah. uh, that it doesn't it doesn't obey all of the rules of pop. So, I mean, it's huge. I think everyone this time of year is well aware. Christmas music is around about 2% of the music that we listen to spread across the whole market of recorded music. So uh, by, by way of a comparison, all of classical music is about 1% of the recorded music that people listen to. So Christmas music is, yes, it's twice as big in market share terms. Um, And obviously this time of year that's very easy to to acknowledge because it's everywhere. Um, But it also deals with different themes because a lot of... um, unlike a lot of musicologists I really like to analyze lyrics you know what is it that the song is saying to the listener and if you think of most pop music the the three most ubiquitous themes in general popular music over more than a hundred year period are romantic relationships good and bad um self-assertion and dancing Mm -hmm. and if you did a quick analysis of the billboard hot 100 right now most of the lyrics would be covering one of those themes um Holiday songs are a little bit different because we use them socially in a different way. Um, when when we are uh, spending time with family at Christmas, we're often traveling to do so. Uh, and if you're a young person, you might be, uh, if you're in your 20s or something, you might be coming home to the house where you grew up, spending time with the parents and, and so on. So Christmas, for many people, is a time of looking back, looking back to Past lives we, uh, past experience we've yeah. had in life. And so, of course, if you think about a whole lot of Christmas lyrics, they are often about coming home, being together, togetherness, arms across the world, you know, peace and love across all humanity. They're those sort of very um comforting, perhaps nostalgic themes. Um, and. Uh, But of course, uh, all I want for Christmas is you. It, It kind of, it's a great pop song. That is, it's saying I love you in a loud voice, but it's also a great Christmas song because it just manages to list pretty much all of the Christmas tropes. Right.
1: Well, yes, it, look, it's, it's a very upbeat pop song. And this came, you know, Mariah Carey was, you know, she had just had a massive album the year before. So she was really building on that pop success. But it does incorporate those elements, even the first couple seconds. And, and you hear those, I don't know, what are they like, like chimes, I guess. Like, they, you know, there are elements of the song that sound very Christmassy.
0: Yes, well, you've got you've got the Glockenspiel. It's really interesting that right. you mentioned the, uh, the Phil Spector album, A Christmas Gift for You, because at the time when that came out in 1963, that was a brand new sound for mm-hmm. Christmas music. Yeah. You know, he, he was basically taking the famous Phil Spector Wall of Sound and all the mainly girl bands that he was launching, and he updated... A bunch of already well-known songs: White Christmas, Frosty the Snowman, Winter Wonderland, and you also mentioned the the classic, what was then a new song, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home by Darlene Love. Mm-hmm. But what characterises that the sound of that record is um, parts of the Phil Spector sound, but also including tambourine playbells, bells, the famous long echo that was all over a lot of his music. Tubular bells, the, the, so that that intro is—you might describe it as a mini version of a tubular bell. I, I believe it's a Glockenspiel playing that okay. little arpeggio at the beginning, that tink, that beautifully tinkly sound. But then it goes into that fast piano intro, playing the chord loop twelve to the bar, which is a is a technique right out of the 1950s 1960s you know it's vintage kind of fat domino 50s technique um and, and the chord loop itself is you know it's called a one six two five chord loop uh which which characterizes that intro and again it's vintage film specter so i think this was uh this was the sort of genius of that song when it came out in 94 in that it didn't sound like 1994 it sounded more like 1963 so back to you know my meta commentary on nostalgia it's supposed (laughs) to take you back and now nearly 30 years later it's taking us back in a different way
1: so it, it's hard then to create something new that also sounds nostalgic. I think what, what stands out to people about Mariah Carey's success is that you know, since 1994, there, there really are no other songs that, that rise to that level when it comes to, to a, a popular Christmas song.
0: Well, right, and I think that's, that's a defensible point of view, based on the statistics, mm-hmm. you know, there hasn't been a song that successful since 1984, but there's no shortage of people who are trying, right. you know, um, the top of my head, um, Mistletoe by Justin Bieber, 2011, um, John Legend did a lovely cover of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas in 2018. And it's been interesting to watch the slow burn of "Santa Tell Me" by Oriana Grande, which will be ten years old next year, and that one's really becoming a little more popular than when it was when it was released. Really yeah. Maybe even Kelly Clarkson.
1: Then, uh, under I think it's called "Underneath the Tree." It's a bit of an "Underneath for her. the Tree."
0: Yeah, twenty thirteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and you know. Taylor Swift, Christmas Tree Farm, yeah. you know, uh, and Tis the Damn Season, arguably, and even this year, we've got Cher's Christmas song, DJ Play a Christmas <laughs> yes. Song is the title, uh, which is a, a, a sonic nod to the autotune that was used in her 98 hit, I believe, uh, which, uh, so nostalgic for a different time, mm-hmm. perhaps, so pe- pe- everyone wants to get on that rotation, and so, you know, it's not that artists don't want to have another Christmas hit. It's just that we as listeners, we stubbornly cling to all these nostalgic oldies, and we love it.
1: Well, it's funny how the pop charts work now, because it, you know, it streams and, and all of that. Because not only did Mariah Carey once again go to number one, we also saw Brenda Lee's Rocking Around the Christmas Tree from 1958 hit number one for the first time ever. So that's I mean, the know, point right in, there.
0: Incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, and yeah, I, I was at Christmas party where I live in, in Boston uh, just a couple of nights ago, and that Brenda Lee song came on along with the ubiquitous Michael Buble album where of he course. does big band version of all the hits. You know, that album from 2011 is still doing very nicely for a... Uh, For him, Uh, in fact, interesting. I I did a study in 2017 on musical and lyric trays of, uh, in that case, in the UK's favourite Christmas songs, which are basically uh, the same. But uh, yeah, we found that um, a a huge number of uh, of the songs were actually from that specific album from that Michael Bublé album we something like uh, yes 13% of the 78 cor- uh, song corpus that we analyzed were off that album of the uh, the top um the top streaming Spotify songs that year so, yeah, we, we really don't mind old music. You mentioned the Brenda Lee song. Mm-hmm. Um, going back even earlier, 1942, White Christmas. Yeah. We still, you know, what other songs from 1942 do we still listen to today and regularly <laughs> put <many>. on rotation? <laughs> so so I think that's the, that's the sort of summary of, of the difference between Christmas music and regular pop. Regular pop is about newness, the latest thing. And Christmas music is about the the older things as we look back on Christmas's past.
1: Well, and if you can weave them together, you can really strike it rich. Right,
0: that's the recipe.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, uh, Joe. Appreciate the insight. Thanks so much. Make some time for us here this morning.